This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. You will open up in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. We have embarked, and we're in the midst of teaching, a series of teaching on how to stay prepared to avoid distractions. And before we get um, to exactly what I want to talk to you about, I want to do a little bit of review as we move into the subject matter we're going to be talking about for uh, this evening and on next Wednesday evening. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 And don't stop me if you've heard this before. It's all right. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 1 says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Now, Obviously, he starts out here, and you know what we've been talking about, and, and if you read this before, you understand he's talking about seasons. Right? And one thing I want to make sure that you understand about seasons is that seasons are in the hands of God. Okay? Keep that in mind. Seasons are in the hands of God. And if you will, you must understand this. God is not obligated to, number one, let you know the current season. Did you hear that? And I know how we get. Oh, he always lets me know. He's not, he's under no obligation to let you know the current season. And you'll understand this better as we get into this. Because I know some people might say, well, uh, he called me friend. Well, in all honesty, he did. But also at the same time, I remember his friends asking the Lord, when shall these things be? And when is the end of the world? And he says, I'll give you signs, but let me let you know this. That hour, that day, knoweth no man, no angel, neither the sun. See, God is under no obligation to let you know what season it is. You know, because everyone that runs around here, oh, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Well, yes, he is coming. But you don't know if he's coming tomorrow, coming, if he's coming next week. You don't know if he's coming this generation, or in your children's time, or your children's children's time. He's under no obligation to let you know. Outside of all we do know is that these are the last days. How long? See, that's the next thing he's not obligated to let you know. He's under no obligation to let you know the current season. And if he does let you know the current season, he's under no obligation to let you know how long it's going to last. That's called sovereignty. So, I'm not saying he won't inform you, but there will be plenty of times where you will find that you're in a season. You have no idea how long that season is going to last. Last. I trust that many of us, if not all of us, have been there before. How long? How long? Wow. Now, God did open up by revelation. Was it the, the 70 weeks he opened up to Daniel? He let Daniel know about that. He opened up some revelation. He's let us know from time to time. So I'm not saying he won't. Okay. But in all honesty, you have to understand... That there might be times and there might be seasons where you are there and you have to be there. So God is under no obligation to let you know the current season. No, under no obligation to let you know how long the current season is going to last. Neither is God obligated to let us know what is coming next while we occupy this present season. I got to keep moving. Oh, I want to take my time with that, but I got to keep moving because everyone's looking for their breakthrough. Who told you your next season is a season of breakthrough? Amen. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 
So when I'm occupying, I'm not sure if this is the season. And I don't know how long this season that I'm in is going to last. Here's all you need to know. I don't know what's coming next. Verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. That's all you need to know. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Just believe and have confidence that he's going to make it beautiful. That's what you've got to hold on to. That's called hope. It's called faith. Keeps you standing. God, I don't know this season. I might not even like this season. And I don't know if this season is going to, if the next season is going to be better or if it's going to be worse from my standpoint. But I know when you're done, it's going to be beautiful. So it might be choppy waters before you get to the other side. But once you get there, knowing your God, it will be beautiful. Again, to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Now things, well he explains what things are. Sometimes we get kind of crazy with things, but he, under, he, he explains things. He, he goes on to say, there's a time to be born and a time to die. You see that thing? The thing born, the thing die, there's a time for it. There's a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, and a time to dance. There's a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and there's a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. So as he explains things, he wants us to understand things are related to purpose. These are things that are associated with seasons. We're not talking winter, spring, summer, fall. We're talking about what goes on in your life, regardless of what the weather is outside. And so there will be things that go on, but those things belong in a particular time because of purpose. Now, remember I told you seasons are in the hands of God. And this might not seem as though it's revelation, but we need to have a revelation of it. Seasons are not under your control. Let me say that again. Seasons are not under your control. Now, influence on seasons is yours. But control of the seasons is not. For instance, it talks about a time to be born. And you might say, I have control over my body. And I can have a baby when I want to. I think I related to this to some of you before. Maybe you've heard this before. But when I was going to grad school, I was sitting up there in the cafeteria having a conversation with some people. About my age, I'm in grad school. Okay, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I don't have, you know, I'm young. Let me explain that because people go and do. I was young, all right, teenager at the time. And there are other people around the table about the same age. And somehow we got on the subject of, you know, what's going to go on in the future, what we have plans of. And I remember this one young lady, she was a little bit older than me, and she was talking about, you know, having a child. And, and I mentioned, oh man, so you're going to get married? She said, you don't have to have a man to have a child. You know, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I stand corrected because that's true. But just because you can have a child, does that mean it's the season for it? Amen. You, you know, if you're not married and you have a child, is that the season? You've never been married, but you haven't. See, you might have a baby, 
but it wasn't the time to be born. See, you can't control the season. No matter what thing you put in the season, seasons are in the hands of God, and you don't have that kind of control. See, you can't control things. But you can't control the season. Keep that in mind. You can control things, but you cannot control seasons. You know, when we take communion, we often read our First Corinthians chapter 11. What was it? A time to be born and a time to die? We read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and, and we read behind Paul, and, and Paul says, Because you do not discern the Lord's body, many of you are sickly, many of you are weak. And many of you sleep. And just to make sure it's plain, you know, that's Jesus' language for death. When Lazarus died, Jesus told him, Lazarus is asleep. They said, what are you talking about, Jesus? He said, let me use your language. He's dead. Okay. So when Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, because you do not discern the Lord's body, many of you sleep. He's saying, yeah, you die, but it's not the time to die. See, you can control things. See, you have influence there. But you can't control the seasons. And too many of us think that we have control of seasons through the things. Things you can alter. Hallelujah. Glory to you. Some things we need to change. Some things we put in the wrong place. But we need to be aware that certain things belong in certain seasons. What things is a time to be born? There's a time to die. There's a time to kill. There's a time to heal. There's a time to break down and a time to build up. And and here's the thing about it. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. You say, I've been the healer. When is it my time to kill? That season might not ever come for you. You understand what I'm talking about? Why God is under no obligation to let you know what's coming next. Just a little bit of review, but putting you in the right frame of mind so we can talk what we need to talk about. Turn to Psalms chapter 91. So that's seasons and things. So you see that God is over the seasons. Seasons are in the hands of God. They're not in your hands. But the things are. And you need to put things in the right season. Did I say Psalms 91? Well, let me turn this. Psalms 91, starting at verse number 1 again. Now, this is just a little bit of review. I want to point out some things in the midst of our review. Psalms 91, verse number 1, says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely, He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. So you know that we have been concentrating on, we have been focusing on the snare of the fowler. You remember what the fowler is. The fowler is is, is obviously he who hunts fowls, right? But, But he's skilled. The fowler is experienced. And the fowler is patient. Okay? Now, the fowler, we learn, studies victims intensely before launching an attack. We learn that the fowler sets up a special trap based on what the fowler has learned. And we know that as the snare. Okay? So, this much we understand. When birds are out there doing their thing, out there just... Wings just out, gliding. The fowler's watching. The birds are singing their songs. Tweet, tweet, tweet. The fowler's watching. Birds just going about their business like they don't have a care in the world. The fowler is watching. The fowler banks on clueless birds to fall into his snare. Just as happy, just as go lucky, 
don't have a care in the world, thinking nobody's against me. Everything's going to go my way. The Fowler banks on that. The, the Fowler banks on no one, no bird out there looking for a Fowler to be around. So the Fowler, obviously, is a reference to the enemy who wants to overthrow you. He loves it when you just spread your wings and fly. Sing your songs. Go about as if there's nothing to worry about. We cannot be clueless birds. We can't go around ignorant that we have an enemy. We can't go around ignorant that he's been watching. Can't go around ignorant that he's been observing. That's when we fall into the snare. That's when we fall into the trap. Even when you are aware of the fowler, know this, his snares are, kept, are carefully set up. Very carefully set up. The fowler sets up snares based on the carefully observed tendencies of the bird. So the enemy has a snare and a trap with your name on it. <laughs> I mean, your name is on it. And I don't mean to make light of the song. You know, there's a song out there. People say, hey, there's a blessing out there with my name on it. And there's a miracle out there. With my... Well, I want you to know there's a snare out there with your name on it. He's watching you praise as if you don't have an enemy. He's like, oh, they'll fall right into this. If. How do I say this? It's based on your tendency. So being aware of the fowler, being aware of the enemy, being aware that there is a snare with our name on it, we have to be sober. We have to be sober. Now, I'm not going to go into that today, but when we come together again on next week, and we'll spend probably everything we're going to talk about next week is going to be centered around sobriety. But we have to be sober because we have an enemy who, as the fowler, has been watching. He has something set up especially for you based on your tendencies. And if you're not sober, you'll be like that clueless bird. And when you're in the trap, you're like, how did I get here? So a fowler is well aware of the seasons. <laughs> Hallelujah. The fowler is well aware of the seasons. Can't control it. But he knows the season. He knows when it's time to bring out that trap. He knows when it's time to bring out that snare. Now the fowler can't control the season, but the fowler does have a snare for the right season. And remember, the fowler represents the enemy. So the enemy's snare is meant to get you off purpose. Now, I'm going to give you a how. Here's one way he gets you off of purpose. He gets you off purpose when he gets you to do the thing that is not appropriate for the season. He gets you off purpose when he gets you to do the thing that is not appropriate for the season. There's a season for war. There's a season for the thing called war. There's a season, a time for the thing called peace. There is a season, a time for the thing called hmm, killing. There's a season and a time for the thing called healing. There's a season and a time for the thing called embracing. There's a season and a time for the thing called refraining from embracing. Now, if he can get you to refrain from embracing when it's the season to embrace, you fell into the snare. And he got you. If he can get you to kill when it's the season to heal, He's got you. He's gotten you off purpose. 
Now, here's the thing about purpose. God makes everything beautiful in His season. Oh, I, 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 man, I wish I, I got to keep moving. But I, I hope you do understand this. When you're in the season and it's choppy waters and you don't know how long it's going to last, just know this. God is working. God hadn't forgotten about you. God hasn't overlooked you. But he's working on something beautiful. Now, the thing about the thing that is beautiful, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts, so he sees beauty in things that we don't necessarily immediately see as beautiful, but he knows it's going to be beautiful when it's all said and done. And your contribution is to say, stay sober and to put the right thing in the right season. So if the enemy through his snare can get you to refrain from embracing, when it's time to embrace, if he can just get you to do that, Which brings me to the subject matter that we're going to talk about. It's called family. Hallelujah to your name, God. Family. Let me tell you the goal of this, right? The goal of this teaching, here's what I want to do. The goal is to get you in the right frame of mind. To be with and to deal with family. Because tis the season. This is the season where we get with family. This is the season when family gets in touch one with another. This is the season where we FaceTime and call, get in contact, communicate with, buy gifts for family. So my goal is to get you in the right frame of mind to be with and deal with family so that you can be delivered from the snare of the family. Amen. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's get going. I, I may not wait for you to write notes when we get going on this because I got a lot to say about family. Okay. Now, here's the thing about family. Family, I find, is interwoven into the fabric of every part of who you are, of what you do and how you do it. Family is interwoven into it all. We find ourselves with tendencies, find ourselves doing things, having habits. Like, where did I get that from? Then you look and say, you know what? I got that from family. <laughs> you know, here you are. You put sugar on your beans. Where did you get that from? I got that from family. Somebody else looks like, well, my family didn't do it. <laughs> so I don't know what you're doing, but you need to stop it, you know. But it's interwoven. I mean, that's part of our fabric. There are things, here's, here's another way it's, it's in, some things we don't do and we don't do on purpose because we saw too much of it in our family. So you might say, well, I don't do that. Yeah, but the reason you don't do that is because it's woven. Family's interwoven into the very fabric of everything you do. <laughs> this is why we tell people, and maybe one day somebody will listen. I believe some people are listening. That's why we tell people, slow your roll before you get married. You know, because now you're, now you're joining and now suddenly you're going to be part of a family. And it, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, that thing is going to thread throughout. Well, I don't have to stay married, but it's still going to thread. Amen. We find ourselves trying to find churches that fit the mold. Or where we came from. Because our family went to churches like that. That's why some people fight this ministry so hard. Because it's contrary to what I gained from my family. And I'm not saying any of that is bad. You know, they don't, they don't hoop when they, you know. And again, if you like to hoop, well, well then go to where you can be fine. But what I want to let you in on is that you didn't get that on your own. Family played a very important, big role 
and how you think, what you think, where you go, where you don't go, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. Family is interwoven. There's a song back in my day, and I always loved that line. So the dictionary really doesn't know the meaning of friends. Well, you know, when you look up family, the dictionary doesn't know the meaning of family. It really can't capture family. And in all honesty, family is one of those things like, how do you explain family? You know, sometimes you think about family, you're like, well, that's family. You don't have any words for it. Because it's just family. And you know, man, I know other people don't have it like this. (laughs) But it's my family. (laughs) It is what it is. So so I'm going to speak in generalities when I talk about family because, again, no two families are alike and there's really no way to put the... Put your finger on exactly what family is. But here we, here we go. I'm going to try. Family are those connected by a special bond. I want to emphasize special. Family are those connected by a special bond. We're tied together. Not physically, even though sometimes it feels like it. That's how strong that tie is. That's how strong and special that bond is. We're tied together. We're connected by a special bond. It's a bond that just goes beyond knowing somebody's name. Amen. You know, the thing about it, we find out somebody's family, we may not even know their name or even remember their name, but they're family. And because they are family, I don't even have to know your name. You're welcome here. I got you covered. What you need. Call on me anytime. That's family. Connected by a special bond. Tied together. And you don't have to be blood relatives. (laughs) You don't have to come from the same lineage to be family. That's why it's so hard to define. Because we can't just say, well, we share DNA. Can't just say we came from the same blood. Family goes beyond that. But we're connected by a special bond. And so that bond makes us related. Okay? That makes us related. Even though we may not come from the same lineage, but because we're family, we are related because of that special bond. Huh. Now, some of these bonds we enter into mutually. It's called marriage. No, I chose my wife. My wife chose me. Now we're family. We chose one another. Chose to have that special bond. Some bonds are minus your individual choice. You know, I was born into a family. I didn't choose to be born into the family. I didn't choose to be my mother's son, my father's son. But as a son, now I've been brought into the special bond. And then in other cases, nobody chose nobody. I got two sisters, three brothers. We didn't choose one another. But you know what? We do love one another. Because we're connected by a special bond. Amen. You're bonded. You may not have chose one another, but you're bonded. Not necessarily by covenant. Maybe you are. Not necessarily by legal procedure. Maybe you are. You know, even in adoptions, when someone is adopted, you know, that's the finalization of the special bond that has already been set. Because of this bond, I want you to have my name. But that's family. We thank God for family. Family is important. Because, because people are family, because we're connected that way, they are afforded certain privileges and freedoms that others who are outside the family cannot have. You know what I mean by that? Now, I can talk about my brother, but she can't talk about my brother. <laughs> See, that's a privilege I have that you don't have. Well, I'm just saying what you said. Yeah, but you said to my brother. So, so now, now I'm connected with my brother and we're standing up against you. 
Yeah, but you talk about him like a dog. Yeah, but that's my brother. You can't talk about my brother like a dog. I can't. And that's the thing about family. See, family knows they have that privilege. And family uses that privilege, don't they? <laughs> they, use, they use great plainness of speech in biblical terms, right? But that's family. <sighs> and sometimes you don't like it. Here comes that special bond. You don't like it, but the family. Because family members, they can be cruel, they can be personal, and they can get away with it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I know we have the greatest families known to all of mankind. They're always so nice to us. Always say the right thing. See, I'm getting you here now, right? right? Because in all honesty, you're thinking about particular family members. But you got more than them. So we're talking about those we're related to. Remember, relation doesn't mean blood relatives. It means we just have that special bond. This is family. I'm talking about those we're related to with whom we must interact sooner or later. I'm sorry. I just go back to childhood. Do I got to? Yeah, you got to. I'm sorry. Let me change that English. Do I have to? Yeah, you have to. Do we got to go over there? Yes, that's family. You got to go. You're going to have to interact, son. You're going to have to interact, daughter. Yeah, but their house smells funny. Yeah, but they're family. I don't, I don't like the way. I, it's just boring over there. They don't have a color TV. Yeah, but they're family. We got to go visit. See, you're going to have to interact sooner or later. Because they're family. Now, again, so if you and your childhood didn't want to go, you carry that attitude into your adulthood, you, you, you're like, oh, I love family, yeah, but you're not thinking about those you refuse to go to. But I'm telling you, the interaction is going to be unavoidable. <laughs> Amen. We think about times like this, and I can't wait to see, fa- yeah, but you're thinking about particular family members. Because there's some family members, when you hear that they're not coming, you're like, oh, really? And you smile. Oh, really? <laughs> That'll be all right. Others, you hear that they're coming like, oh, really? Well, you know what? Let me see if I'm busy then. I don't know if I can make it. I know. I, again, I understand. I understand. You know, you, this is real, people. And the enemy has been watching. He's been observing. You never do talk about her. You never do talk about him. Or you do, and when you do, you don't say Christian things. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're not always so lovely when you mention her. Not always so lovely when you mention him. Why do you cross your eyes when you talk about them? Or somebody brings them up. Now, here's the thing about family. Oh, yes, let's keep moving. And family, depending on the bond, depending on how you're bonded into the family, know this. Everybody doesn't have the same personality. Some are your flavor. Some are not. Everybody doesn't have the same character. You know, I know you're the most upstanding citizen in the kingdom of God, but not everybody has that same character. Some are shadier than others. Some you're like, watch your pocketbook. Some you're like, you can't believe a word they say. But you're the good one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I heard you show you right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're the good one. You're the good child. You're the good member of the family. All right, let me keep moving. There. <laughs> Even in families, there will be varying outlooks on life. Some people, you think, you know, they ought to take things a little more seriously. And other people, you say, you ought to loosen up some. There's just all this variety. There's variety in beliefs. And if you didn't know, don't you know you can have family members who are Christians who don't believe the same thing you believe? 
Let's go to our church. No, no, let's go to my church. And then there are some who are just on another wavelength altogether, don't even claim Christianity. But we got all that. With all those differences, personalities you don't care for, that aren't your flavor, interests that you don't care for, character that you might not care for, beliefs that you don't care for, that's still family and you're bonded. But all this variety, and I'm telling you, this is what makes us say, that's family. Creates family dynamics. It creates family dynamics. All that variety bonded together creates great dynamics. I mean, these are the best fireworks. I mean, sparks. And, and you get to smell afterwards, too. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Yes, God, you speak the truth. Here's what I mean by family dynamics. I'm going to bring it home to you. You run across family dynamics when you use the term always in your family. When you use that term always, she always has to have her way. I've just identified some family dynamics. Daddy always listen to, listens to him. Oh, I just identified some family dynamics. You better tell them 30 minutes earlier because you know they're always going to be. If we're going to ask anybody, you know who we need to ask because they're the one who's always going to think it through. See, these are family dynamics. Well, if we bought him one, we better buy her one because you know what happens if... Because they always... That's family dynamics. In other words, get this. Here's all I'm saying. You know what's coming. You know who's bringing it. Say amen. I, I can. I, I just say amen at, at your house. Just you know, lift up your hands. Say God. You just know, don't you? You know what's coming. And you know who's bringing what's coming. Why? Because they're family, and we got family dynamics. <laughs> amen. Glory to your name. I, I won't. Some things you need to keep secret, so I won't, I, won't, I won't say some things. But there's family dynamics. Everybody has family dynamics, people. <laughs> that's why we can't put our... That's why when people ask, we just say family. Because <laughs> you got dynamics and I got dynamics too. So even though the dictionary can't put it into terms, you know what I mean when I say family. So if we know what's coming... And here's a question I put down. If we know what's coming, and we know who it's coming from, why do we get worked up about what we know is coming? <laughs> I mean, you mapped it out. You told, you told, here, here I want to tell my wife, you know what's going to happen. We're going to walk in the door. They're going to say something about somebody going to look at their clock and see what time we came in. They're going to ask if we brought any food with us. And it happens, and what do you do? You get mad. You get upset. But you knew it was coming. Why do you get bothered by that? And I'll tell you why. Because you're family. And you're tied together. You don't want things to affect you, but because they're family, those things do. Yeah, you can say you love them, but you know they make you crazy. And here's the thing about it, because remember, because some family is not as nice as you. Some are personal and cruel, and they're dealing with you. And here you are, oh, you know it's coming, and it bothers you, and it affects you, but you know it's coming. And you can, what you do is, you do your best. 
Some of us do better than others to carry a good face. But you know it bothers you. You know that it it does something to you again. Somebody else would do it. Hey, you're going to squash that thing right there. Some of those things you just let slide. But when family does it, I don't believe there are any wounds like the wounds that come from a family member. Hallelujah to your name. Some, some of us don't have the nicest of parents. Some of us have parents who put us down. But the interactions are unavoidable. And you don't want it to affect you. But it does. See, this is the season that not everybody is looking forward to. Because of family. Can I say this? I'll just say it now. Pay attention to Paul. Paul says, I've learned how to be abased. And I've learned how to abound. I believe Paul is saying this. You know what? I figured out that God is under no obligation to let me know the season. So I've learned that when I'm abased, I better just go with the flow. Because I'm convinced in this. When God gets through, something's going to be beautiful. Everybody isn't always going through an abounding season. You might be abounding in your family, but others might be in lack. Others might be abasing when it comes to interacting with family. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. And again, here's the thing about it. You don't know how long this season is going to last. But trust this. God is doing some work. God is working. See, to everything there's a season. And a time to every purpose that is under heaven. We're talking about family. <laughs> Here's one thing I want to say about the dynamics in family. You know, in dynamics in families, people can change. We make that confession before we deliver the word. Where I have need, I came to change. And the devil cannot stop me. If I need change, God, you can change me. And change can happen. But you know what happens when people change in a family? That disturbs what we thought we knew. And so for this reason, families are generally change resistant. We thought we knew. And as much as we say it drove us crazy, we like knowing the crazy. I don't know how else to say that. It's not like we like the situation. It's just that we're so comfortable and familiar with that situation, we don't want with that situation to change. So if you change, you might find that other people in your family are the main ones resisting your change. The family still wants to follow those same dynamics. They'll try to place you back to where you no longer occupy. That's just family. Now, now, there are times when family is not so change resistant. And you know when, when that is? When they broke you down. In other words, they pressured you. When are you going to get married? <laughs> when are you going to settle down? And you know how it goes when you do finally get married? They don't just go with the flow then either, do they? You couldn't show somebody better? Amen. We're talking about family dynamics. That's family. That's what family does. <laughs> they criticize. Because they have a privilege that they know they have. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about everybody. But we got family. So we can relate. And we can understand. 
So check this out. Family is interwoven into the very fabric of everything that we do. Where we are, how we do it, the seasons, and maximizing the seasons to accomplish God's purpose are tied to your response to the family. <laughs> Amen. I know I, you need to grab a hold of this. The seasons and maximizing the seasons to accomplish God's purpose as tied to your response to your family. Listen, God knows your mama, knows your daddy, knows your brother, knows your sisters, knows your cousins, knows your aunts, knows your uncles. Hey, he understands. You know, grandmama always says, she, like, if I gain weight, she's going to be the first one to tell. Get a little chunky there, aren't you, child? You, you know, God knows all those interactions. God knows all those tendencies. After all, family was God's idea. You know, there's, I, I, I will admit, one of my favorite writers was Charles Dickens. I liked his writings. And there's one book I haven't read, I haven't taken the time to read, but it starts out with a famous line. And it says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Now, I haven't read that book, so I don't know what he's talking about, but all I have a picture of is family. Because family takes you from one end, to the other. They take you to the best of times and the same ones you're having the best of time with, next thing you know, here we are. We're in the worst of times. And we knew it was coming. But God is familiar with families. And never forget this. He's a generational God. Never forget this. When He dealt with Abraham about the promise to come, he says, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that I know him? And he will command his children after him. I, I know how he's going to respond to family. So Abraham, being in God's plan, and, being, and having God's plan come to pass, he needed to respond properly to his family. And, and after all, when God starts... The good book, can I say it this way? What does he start it with? He starts it with Genesis, the book of the generations. And he starts talking about family. Moses sits there and explains to the family where you came from. We all have them. You look through the Bible. We mentioned Hannah and Abraham. Ministers of the New Covenant class, Hannah had family dynamics. I heard somebody mention that. She had family. She had family dynamics. Jacob, also known as Israel, oh my goodness, did he have family. And did he have family dynamics? I'm telling you, he had some family dynamics. David. David, the king a man after God's own heart. He had family. <laughs> he had a response to family. He had to deal with family. And he had family dynamics. See, see it just follows family. Joseph. We're going to look at Joseph. Joseph had family. <laughs> and he had family dynamics. Jesus had family. And Jesus had family dynamics. Look at this in yeah, Matthew chapter 13. We'll turn here. Matthew chapter 13. My goal is to get you prepared. Get you in the right frame of mind. Oh, here we go again. If they say this one more time, hey, God's purpose is on the line. And the enemy has been watching you. Are you that clueless bird who's going to be caught up in the snare? Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. 
And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he came to his people now. He taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't he family? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother and James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? You see how it goes? Everybody else is receiving it, but when you get around your people, people think that they know you. People think they have privileges with you. We got family dynamics going on right here. <laughs> oh, oh, now you're Jesus, huh? Boy, when I held you in my hands, you were known as a big shot Jesus. That's family. Oh, he is acquainted with what we go through. Don't think, oh, nobody knows. God knows. He's familiar. And what does it say in verse 57? And they were offended in him. Oh, my goodness. Get, grab a hold of this, people. They were offended in him because there had been a change in the family. But this change was going to be beautiful because through him they all could be saved. He didn't go off and say, see, I'm going to take this and take it somewhere else. They know how to treat me. I'm denying y'all from here on out. He didn't do that. But he explains and he teaches us some things. Verse 57, And they were offended in him, but Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. Oh, don't I love that response. He's not telling them all. He's saying, I know who I'm dealing with. And I'm here for you. <laughs> I'm here for this purpose. You don't even see the goodness that God is going to do through me. But I understand even if you don't. That's somebody that's sober. What makes him sober? His eyes on the purpose of God. And you know how we would be. Some, oh, you don't even understand. I heard from God myself. He called me up. We would have given our testimony up and down. And they call me Jesus. Because I'm the Messiah you've been looking for out of the... We would have done it all. But he stayed sober. He understood that maximizing the season to accomplish God's purpose depended on his response to those who took privileges to their own hurt in knowing him. And oh, I don't have time to get into this. I knew Tom would kind of get away from me. But, but I will say this. There's another point in time where family members come and, hey, 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 I, I, I know he's busy, but we're family. He needs to come see us. And what did Jesus say? Well, who's my family? Who's my family? Uh, behold my family. Those who hear the word and obey this word, that's my family. He declares, you know what? I got a family. And don't you know we're members of that family now? And don't you know in Hebrews it, it, it declares what he thinks about us as a family. He says he's not ashamed to call us brother. No, you, you don't get that, do you? He's not ashamed to call us brother. He knows about family you are ashamed of. <laughs> he knows about family that makes you shake your head. But he says this family, no, this bond... I'm not ashamed of them. Proud to call them my brothers, my sisters, my people. See, and I want to say this, especially for those of you who have to deal with, who we're talking about, people we have to have interactions with. See, I want you to understand, God has put you into a family that he's not ashamed to call brother. Sometimes we get people who think, man, I don't have anybody. No, you got us. You got us. And, and I will say this. When we think about one another, especially in this, this season, 
Don't forget there are other people who may not have the family you have, who don't like to be around their family, or may not even have the privilege of having their family in earshot. I mean, earshot in, 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 in driving range. They can't get to them. It's COVID time anyway. We've got to consider, you know, this is a family. Who's my family? They can't make it a mom. They can't make it a dad. They can't make it to brothers and sisters. But they got a brother here. They got a sister here. Now, unfortunately, we're not afforded to only deal with a new birth family. Unfortunately. <laughs> you get me? Because, hey, I, I'm telling you, I, I love being with y'all. But at the same time, I got to interact with other family. I've got to. You have to. We have to. And here's the thing about it. Understand this. God knew you'd be a member of that family. He knew you would be a member of that family. Have you gained all that you have gained for the purpose of God in your family? Have you learned the things that you've learned? Could it be that God's doing a beautiful work in your family, but that beauty depends on how you respond to your family? Could it be? I'm talking about people we have to deal with. <laughs> I can ultimately... Again, it's unavoidable. Now, you can quit a job. Claim another employer as your own. You can be in school and you can quit school and go to another school. Listen to this. You can leave church. We've seen it for ourselves. And we, you know, we might see them again. They may not want to talk to us. We've been there too. And you can claim another church as your own. But family... You may not want to talk to them. You may not want to mention their name. You may never want to see them. But that will never change that bond. Yeah, you may not want to be around them. But God has you in that family for a reason. Look at this in Psalms 31. We're going to end here in Psalms 31. Uh, This is the place we really need to get to. Psalms 31. Because I want you to see this. I do like Psalms 31. So the fowler been watching. He knows how family, as much as you don't want it to affect you, affects you. The family, uh, the fowler will use the family dynamics to ensnare you, and the snares to defeat the purpose of God. That's what it's for. He doesn't care about you. He cares about the purpose of God going forward. So was it? The enemy wants you to do, he wants you to respond from a worldly response and not out of a godly response. The enemy wants to get you out of purpose and to lose the season. He wants you to lose the season. He wants you to be a loser. If he can get you to be a loser, he can mess up the plans and the purpose of God so he thinks. But I like what Mordecai told Esther. If you don't get it done, guess what? God will raise somebody to get it done. And you'll sit there and think, I should have. Yeah, you should have. And as much as you say it doesn't, what family thinks, what family says, it matters to you. I know you may brush. I, 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 that doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. Because there's a special bond. Not even explicable. There's a special bond that's there. Their opinions matter to you. And sometimes they hurt. Sometimes they bring you pain. And you just don't know the season. You don't know how long this season is going to last. Look at this in Psalms 31, verse number 9. 
Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eyes consume with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. Do you hear him? This doesn't sound like a pleasant. This sounds like somebody who's abased. Somebody who's going through. Verse 11. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors. And a fear to mine acquaintance that they that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me. They devised to take away my life. This does sound like somebody who wants to get out of the mess. Who wants to get out of the trouble. But remember, God is not under any obligation to let you know how long this season is going to last. Uh, do you hear me? This, this, this was a setup, right? I, I put all that stuff in place so that you may understand. You might be in a season in your family where it pains you to be around them. You wonder, how long is it going to be like this? When are the tides going to turn? You don't know how long this is going to last. But what you can bank on is that when God gets through, it's going to be beautiful. And so this needs to be what you do. Verse 14 and 15. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Do you hear him? He says, you know what? I'm going to settle it. If I got to trust you while times are tough, I'm going to trust you. If I got to trust you when they are causing me pain, I'm going to trust you. How long it's going to last, I don't know, but I know that you know. So my times, God, they're in your hand. Oh, I love it. They're in your hand, God. I'm telling you, this is something we need to learn. This is something we need to make our own. I don't know how long this is going to last. Can I, can I share something else with you? You don't know how long your plenty is going to last either. So in your plenty, make your times, or turn your times over to the hands of God. Because to everything there's a season. And a time to every purpose which is under heaven. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. This is somebody who settled it. That, hey, come what may. God, I'm confident in this. You're doing a work. And I'm going to be on the right end of the good and the beautiful work that you're doing. Look at this in verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I'm cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye his saints. For the Lord preserveth the faithful. And plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage. You might be going through. It might not be a pleasure for you to go and see these people you got to interact with. They may rub you the wrong way. You know what's coming, but you still want to respond. And you, you're just gripping your fingers and you're balling up your fists because you want to. But, but be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. How long? Some of you have read through Revelations. And one of those seals was open, I believe it was in Revelation chapter 6. And, and under the altar, the martyrs cried out, How long, O Lord? What did the Lord tell them? He says, I still got some work to do. There's still some other work going on. There's still some others who are going to be gathered. You don't know how long, but He shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord.
The seasons are determined by God. And the right thing belongs in the right season. Your influence is that you can cooperate and go along with the seasons. Or you can do your own thing. And then find out the hard way that seasons are not in your hands. And I'm out of time. But we will look at the example of Joseph when we get back together next Wednesday. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.